You are listening to Ball Side, Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heberling and Eric Dabransky. If you enjoy our show, please follow and subscribe to our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor FM. Also, follow us on social media on Twitter at ball underscore goal underscore side and on Instagram on ball side goal side. All right, back here on ball side goal side episode number 11, Eric, we're, uh, we're making, making our way forward here. Uh, really excited about today's guest as always. Um, I feel like we, we've done a pretty good job. I guess that's being a little, uh, a little egotistical maybe, but, um, you know, I've heard from some of the listeners that they've enjoyed our guests. So that's good. Uh, um, you know, today we're going to have goalkeeper coach on. We're going to talk a little bit about the youth goalkeeping and development. We'll get into probably a little bit of, of his college experience as well. Um, I'm going to be speaking with Chris, though. Rennie, he's with Sporting Iowa Soccer. So pretty excited. Um, Eric, how are you doing down there? Doing great. Just like you, just excited to talk to Chris, you know, really grab some insight from him about uh, youth goalkeeping and then, uh, and then even at the college level because he was at the college level as well. I think all of us are always trying to figure out better ways to incorporate our goalkeepers um, some of us don't have the the um, benefit of having a goalkeeper's coach to send our keepers our goalkeepers with them. So we have them for an hour and a half, or you know maybe we do have a goalkeeper's coach. So how do we communicate with the goalkeeper's coach? So it's something that I've always been fascinated um, about. Uh, you know, like I said, I do coach club as well on, on top of coaching college soccer, and uh, you know been fortunate to to have really good goalkeepers at both levels. So it's it'll be uh it'll be a great topic and you know good to ask him some questions and kind of you know get some ideas from him yeah it's, I'm, I'm excited so chris uh chris played at iowa wesleyan while i was on the women's staff there kind of helped out the men as well and uh came over from scotland uh great player what i liked about him though and what i think is pretty cool is that he you know he's not the normal stature of a, of a goalkeeper um you know uh, but he was still successful he led iowa wesleyan to their their best ever finish in men's soccer um, you know, had him ranked nationally as well. And then he's went on to make a, a pretty good career out of it. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, short goalkeepers kind of get overlooked, no pun intended, um, you know, but uh, they get overlooked or, or whatever. But uh, Chris was always a, you know, hard worker, athletic uh, player that, that was able to do well. And I think, you know, he has some valuable insight and he's going to be able to, you know, I think his experiences will help train those, those, goalkeepers a little better because even if you're six six you know six four on a women's side you're five ten five eleven you still need some athletic ability you still need that extra training you can't just depend on on um you know your size uh to be successful so really excited to talk to chris because like i said he had a successful college career he's been now coaching club soccer 10 years he basically graduated from iowa wesleyan went straight into club and then he's done college coaching as well at drake university uh, Grandview University, um, and now he's, I think he's with Grandview Men only at this point in time, and he's had some experience with the Des Moines Menace, um, which is a PDL team. I think they're actually moving up to the USL here. Um, I don't know. It might be this year, but it may have got delayed a little bit with everything going on. Uh, so Chris is going to provide some valuable insight, I think, for us, um, give us some background and, and allow us to, as coaches, you, you know, you said it, we don't know how to always incorporate that goalkeeper. Yeah. And I see it in here, um, you know, when we're, when teams are training that, you know, the goalkeeper's just kind of there, um, yeah. you know, and, and so hopefully he can give us some insight and help us as coaches incorporate them a little better. 
Yeah, it's been it's been intriguing over the last couple of years because I mean you've been around it. You're you train goalkeepers as well. I've never really you know I trained goalkeepers at the first stop that I had in the NAI, and um, you know it's been it's been intriguing to see the development of goalkeepers because obviously I think you, you see now with the Liverpool's and the Man Cities that that goalkeepers have become an eleventh field player. They're no longer ten field players in a goalkeeper. Right. It's eleven v eleven of you know um, goalkeepers needing the ability to distribute to be able to break lines of pressure and really move defenders. And it's, it's become, uh, you know, the training is, has changed, you know, and, yeah, and obviously yeah. not only us team coaches and goalkeeper coaches, we've had to adjust to it as well. And, and like I said, uh, Chris has had a, a varied career, which will be really, really fascinating to kind of find, you know, find the, the things that he's found to be successful and, and kind of his ideas at each level, because, you know, the communication at the youth level between the team coach and the goalkeepers coach in the club the communication between the head coach at a college level and the goalkeeper's coach. And then even like you said, at the USL with, with Des Moines, it's, you know, at that level as well. So it's, it's just, it's going to be fascinating to see how goalkeepers continue to develop because I think that importance of distribution and, and um, being able to see the field differently has become so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, the, the big thing we as coaches have to understand is that we can't pigeonhole the goalkeeper as that's what their only position is and, and that we can utilize. And like you said, as the 11th field player, they can be a pivot point for us. They can play like a deeper number six. Um, you know, they can, you know, feel a little comfortable, relieve some pressure, especially now with the changes of uh, that will be instituted, especially in, in the college level and such with the goal kicks not having to leave the 18 they've got to be a little more comfortable with the ball at their feet so um be interesting be good talk here with chris look forward to speaking with them um uh you know and and getting his insight here as we go forward All right, we're back here on Ballside Goal Side for our number 11 episode. Going to uh, be joined by Chris Rennie. Uh, he's with the uh, staff at Sporting Iowa Soccer. He's the goalkeeper coach up there, played collegiately, and uh, I think we talked a little bit about him in the intro there. But, uh, Chris, hope you're doing well. Appreciate you coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks, Ed. I'm, I'm excited to, to be on the show and been listening to some of the podcasts lately, so I'm excited to be invited on and, and to chat about the goalkeeping piece. Great, great. We, uh, we're glad to have you on. We're going to talk to you a little bit about goalkeeping, especially at the youth level today. You have a range of experience, um, but I think uh, as all coaches, you know, we struggle sometimes getting those goalkeepers uh, maybe engaged if we don't have a goalkeeper coach and, and kind of, you know, trying to figure out how we can figure out who the best goalkeepers are, what attributes they have. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, before we get too deep into it, Chris, if you could tell us just a little about yourself, your background, uh, and, and uh, you know, kind of what you do now uh, with Sporting Iowa. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Ed. So I, um, I'm originally from Scotland. Um, I grew up there like most most kids probably in Scotland, dreaming of being a, a professional soccer player. Um, I probably started at a little bit of a younger age. Um, nine or ten was when I probably started playing soccer. And to start with, it was more of a social thing just to get to make some friends and have some fun. Um, but as I started to get older, I started to kind of grow a passion for it. Um, and played club soccer and school soccer. Um, and at the age of 14, I got scouted to play uh, for Falkirk FC, who are in the Scottish Championship in their youth academy. Um, so I got two or three years with their, with their program and, and really enjoyed that experience of trying to challenge myself at a, at a competitive level, um, trying to get better all the time and hopefully trying to achieve my, my goals and ambitions. Um, 
after that, I went on to Aloe Athletic, who are also in the Scottish Championship as a youth development player from the ages of, I think it was 18 to uh, 20. Um, and that was difficult. That was a difficult experience. It was hard to try and balance soccer as a, as a part-time profession, along with trying to have a career as working in a, a bank at the time. And trying to balance both was really, really difficult. Um, so I started to look at other opportunities outside of the Scottish environment. Um, and I signed up for um, a company that sent Scottish and British players to the U.S. on scho uh, soccer scholarships. Um, and it was something that was new at the time. I came over in 2005. There probably wasn't a ton of or influx of British players at that, that time. Um, so we really didn't have a ton of information on it, but it was something that I saw as a good opportunity where I could go to college, continue my playing experience, um, and then see what happened after that, see if there was other opportunities in the U.S. to continue my, my love for soccer. Um, so I came, I went over to Iowa Wesleyan for four years and was a four-year starter there. Um, really enjoyed my experience. It was just something different. Um, trying to balance the college stuff with the soccer piece was, was something new to me. Um, but, but really enjoyed it. It wasn't the same experience as what I hoped it would be. Um, I, I grew up in an environment that you played soccer 10 months out of the year. Um, and that was a big shock for me was then starting to do three, four months of a year. And then the next, the next seven, eight months, you don't play soccer. And that was, that was really challenging. Um, so after soccer um, in college, I still had like a passion that I felt like I hadn't completed what I wanted to do in the game. I wanted to try and be involved in the game more year round and on a more consistent basis. Um, and I moved to Des Moines and started to get into coaching from that point. Um, and I think just naturally from being a goalkeeper as a player, um, I found myself starting to coach goalkeepers initially. Um, I think people just related to that, that you're a goalkeeper, so you must be able to coach goalkeepers, which maybe isn't always the case. I think it takes a little bit of time to understand how to relate and work with goalkeepers. Um, and then, so I've been at Sporting Iowa now for just over 10 years. Um, in different roles there as a goalkeeping director, but also as a team coach. Um, and I've been really unfortunate, I think, in my time with Sporting Iowa that they've allowed me um, opportunities to kind of grow outside the club. Um, so I've tried to experiment in different areas to help me grow as an individual, um, working with Grandview University's women and men's program. Um, I've been with the men's program for 10 years now, and I work with the women's program for seven years. Um, and then I also work with Drake Women's University's uh, program for a couple of years as well, which, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then recently I worked with the, the PDL or USL program with Des Moines Menace, um, where, where I got to experience a different level with top, top level players that uh, really challenged me, um, but it was an environment that I really enjoyed. Um, and then also recently starting to get involved in the, the ODP environment with the state of Iowa as a goalkeeping director, but also now looking to work in the, the regional pool. Um, last summer, I got to go up to Michigan and work in the, the camp there for the regional boys camp. And that was a whole different experience for me. So um, I'm really fortunate that I've been able to have all these different experiences. I know a lot of coaches are stuck in their one role and it's difficult for them to expand sometimes. So I always feel fortunate that I've been able to dive into um, not just club, but college, regional training, and also USL um, practices. So, um, and that kind of brings me up to where, where I'm at today. Now, going back to, to your youth years, what made you fall in love with playing goalkeeper? What, what, what made, you know, that position something that you, that you enjoyed playing? Yeah, um, I'll be honest, I was slow <laughs> and I wasn't very good. So um, I naturally reverted to, 
stick stick that kid in goals and see what he does. Um, and I started to just enjoy it. I don't know if it was just a kid being a kid and liking the fact that I got to dive around and it was a little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of found myself starting to play that position and somewhat had a a build ability for it or work towards an ability to it um and started to have some success with it and just kind of rolled on from there but initially yeah i think it was i was a kid that wasn't very good or very fast and let's throw him in goal and see how he does was there a goalkeeper back back then that you looked up to that you followed quite a bit or, or that, that yeah um, so there was a famous uh rangers goalkeeper and scotland goalkeeper called andy gorham um and i related a lot to him because he was also pretty short and not very athletic um, I think he was maybe 5'10", 5'11". So I saw him playing for the Scotland national team, um, playing for a big club like Rangers in Scotland. Eventually went down to Manchester United. And he was obviously having a very successful career. And I thought, well, if, if he can do it, um, then then I certainly can at least give this a go and see if I can have some success with this as well. So, yeah, I think he was definitely an influence on me growing up. Even though I wasn't a Rangers fan, it was something that I, I related to him. So. So Chris, uh, you you know, there's got to be a better way to identify some talent rather than being short and slow. Or, you know, um, you know what what can we look as coaches at the youth level for? You know, what what attributes makes a good youth level goalkeeper? What are we looking for to kind of develop those those players into goalkeepers? Yeah, so I I think the youth level is obviously a lot different than the collegiate level. Um, when we're looking at goalkeepers in the collegiate level, uh, we might be looking at goalkeepers that. Um, have specific attributes um, that is suited to the style of the play of the team, uh, or maybe the conference that you're playing in. I know at Grandview, we like to play out of the back, so we look to recruit recruit players that are that are good with their feet, that have good distribution. That's a really really important trait to us. Um, but what we start to find is that we play in a conference that um, four out of the the teams that we played during conference play are very very direct. Um, they play on narrow fields, small fields. Um, defend with six and maybe attack with four and set pieces as their opportunities to put you under pressure. So when we're recruiting now, we really have to look at goalkeepers that can command their box and start to deal with the, the aerial piece. Um, the college pieces, is, is, like I said, is, is different in the way that we look at the youth goalkeepers. The youth goalkeepers, we probably have a, a longer time with them. So it's a longer process in the way that we can develop them. Um, we really look at it as if somebody has an interest or a passion to do it, we're going to work with them to try and help them establish um, establish themselves as a goalkeeper or help them on the path to becoming goalkeepers. So, um, yes, I think there's attributes that can certainly help them in their development. Athleticism can certainly help. Height can definitely help. Um, but I think with the process that we have in youth develop development, working from goalkeepers at eight years old until they're 18, 19 and leaving for college we, we have a long time and a long process that we can start to develop the, the other pillars of their success so the technical and technical pieces maybe even the mentality piece but um, I think just having that passion to, to do it maybe having the confidence to get started which can sometimes be challenging um, I watch youth games and I see a lot of kids when they first go on goals there's an excitement to go on goals because it looks fun they get to dive around and they get to have fun with that piece but the parents almost ruin it for them at times because they put so much pressure on them not to concede goals. Um, or the parents get upset because they feel like their kid's in a difficult situation where if they concede a goal, then they're, they're the bad guy or they've let the team down. Um, whereas the coaches know that's not the scenario. The parents have difficulty dealing with that. And I think sometimes that reflects with the kids. So 
if they can have the confidence um, and maybe some of the mental strength to start to deal with that piece, then that really sets a foundation for the development of the technical and tactical pieces throughout the years. Now, Chris, this leads me to, you, you led right into this question really well, but obviously this might be a loaded question as well. And you being with Sporting Iowa as a team coach as well would be an interesting um, uh, view of it. What do you think, like, ideally, and you've been in club for a while, I think from the club side of it, before I get to the college side of it, ideally the communication between a club team coach, a goalkeeper's coach at the club, and then maybe a club, the club itself. Like I said, we all coach club soccer. Um, you know, we all say goodbye to our goalkeepers for the 30 minutes at the beginning of training and then get them back for the last hour or 45. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I haven't been a part of that development process or that tracking process of like, Hey, I don't communicate with the goalkeepers coach. Like, Hey, you know, this is, you know, now they come over and ask a couple questions about like, Hey, what's so-and-so doing well, what is so-and-so struggling with things like that. Is there, is there a year or is there a process that you've kind of seen what that ideal communication looks like and that tracking, the development? Yeah, so I think over the last couple of years, we're always trying to reinvent how we do it. We're always trying to improve on it and build on it. Um, I think we're in a unique situation right now where we can almost press the reset button and look at some other ways to um, start to expand on that. But I think some of the things that we've started to, to work on that's helping that communication between the team coach and the goalkeeping coach um, I think is trying to have as much transparency as possible. Um, we've all been in that youth game where you run from session to session, you coach multiple teams um, and you can get sidetracked and that can be difficult or you have a, your games on the weekend and your goalkeeper performs poorly or makes a mistake or an error and you're upset with them, but then there really isn't a protocol on how, how do we fix it? How do we help this player get to a better point? Um, we kind of leave it on them and we kind of put them on an island sometimes and the goalkeepers kind of feel left on their own to solve some of these problems. So what we, what we try and do at the club, and again, we're always trying to evolve it, but we, we structure goalkeeping sessions or goalkeeping specific sessions that are age appropriate. Um, we try and keep the numbers to a, a smaller group, um, six or eight per goalkeeping coach at a maximum, so that we, in the hour session that we have, we can really have some one-on-one -on -one interactions with those goalkeepers. Um, what we found when we had bigger sessions is it's very difficult to start to monitor their growth or their development because you weren't really coaching the session, you were just managing it when you had such large volume. Um, so we started to try and do that with the three sessions and then we're, we've kind of done a protocol of training for our, an hour as with the goalkeeping coaches directly working mainly on that technical tactical piece. And then we're trying to mirror that with, with team sessions too. So um, getting some insight from team coach on what they're working on on that day. Um, and then seeing if we can come as goalkeeping coaches with a session that, that works on par with that. So if the, the group are working on, um, trying to play in behind, then we might be working on our goalkeepers on how to deal with 1v1 situations, for example. So then when they transition into their team session for the last 30, 40 minutes, however that, well, that time is, we then try to look to have a goalkeeping coach attend that part of the session and work with the goalkeeper during that 30, 40 minutes um, and try and have that transition from the goalkeeping session in now to the team session. Um, and then after that session, talk with the goalkeeper on, on how that 30, 40 minutes went. Are we starting to see some of that improvement? Trying to have some reminders from the team session. Did that come out? Or the goalkeeping session did it come out? Um, but then also try to have a conversation with the, the team coach. 
And that, that can sometimes be the challenging part when you have part-time coaches, trying to uh, reach out to them, have those conversations. It's a lot easier when you have the full-time staff and maybe you're in the office and you see each other on a daily basis. Yep. Um, with those staff, the part-time staff, it's more case for me, at least, of trying to get to games on the weekend to evaluate the goalkeepers in that environment and get feedback from the coaches there and then. The, the more of our full-time staff, it's more conversations in our office, office setting about how the weekends went, what went right, what went wrong. The session that I attended, we start to see improvements or do we still need to work on something there? Is there, is there areas that we're starting to see? And I think we just have to have that collaboration between both people and having the goalkeepers interest in, in our best, best interest. Yes, really. And then on the college level, obviously, the, like you said, with the smaller numbers per session, um, and then obviously those, like you mentioned before, those college goalkeepers are, are recruited there based on what, you know, what style of play, what your conference looks like and things like that. What's at the college level, ideally, is it a 45 minute session and they're in the session or is it, I've heard some colleges have a completely different goalkeeper session altogether in terms of, hey, we're training at one, the team's training at two, you're done with your goalkeeper session by the, by the time they're training, so you're in the session. What, what have you seen as, um, yeah, typically I've seen a little bit of both, um, and I think based on, on the time of the season as well um, as a big factor in it. Um, what we look to do is a lot of our goalkeeping sessions where the, the goalkeepers may come in at a different time from the team would be in our preseason. So we might structure one or two sessions that are just goalkeeping specific during our two or three weeks of preseason. Um, typically once the season starts and the players are returning to class, then we're trying to incorporate their sessions in the same time as a team session. And what we might look to do is maybe it's 45 minutes, an hour with the goalkeeping coach in our group of four or five. And then we start to uh, implement the goalkeepers back into that team environment. Um, but what we started to see um, was we had a problem sometimes with when we're just doing the goalkeeping specific sessions. We, we didn't have that end game, like I talked about in youth development of trying to transition into a team session or a team-like environment or a game environment. Um, so we weren't really having that phase of trying to see is the session working and then do they have an end goal of trying to implement that to see if they're starting to make those progresses. Um, and I think that's that's a huge part. I mean, with the team, what most of us try and do in our, in our youth sessions is we obviously try and have our, our structured session and then either start by playing or finish by playing. And the players have that opportunity to start to advance the session and see if it's starting to make sense and starting to come out within the game environment. Goalkeepers, unfortunately, sometimes don't have that opportunity. So that's something we've tried to be really, really intentional about in the last few years is trying to make that progression from the team session or sorry, the goalkeeping session and then into the team session to start to see if we're having those adjustments. Um, but yeah, the college environment is going to be different on the things that we're looking at. I think we have a specific style of play. So when we're building our, our season or our structure or training plan, we're starting to look at areas that we know that we're going to spend time on, areas that we're going to build on. But also we know that there's going to be games that are going to come up and there's going to be a mistake or an error that we're going to have to evaluate, review, and then start to also spend some time to fix. Um, so I think that's important for the goalkeeping coaches then to try and attend as many games as possible so then we can see what the product looks like on the field. Um, or maybe if we're not, as a, maybe as a part-time coach and we're not able to travel, at least having the opportunity to analyze video footage to see where we're at. And then I think having conversation with the head coach too, getting their input on what they've seen during the games, areas that they would like to see improve um, and being willing to work with that and build that into, into your program.
programming over the three, four months that you're working with the goalkeepers. No, that sounds fantastic. I mean, and Ed would attest to this. And obviously, you know, Chris, you being an Iowa Wesleyan and things like that. It's just, I always find it fascinating because in college soccer and, and, and in youth soccer a little bit, it's like the goalkeeping position is one of the most important positions, yet we neglect it like probably the most out of any position. Um, I was at, at the college that I coach at. We had a goalkeeper's coach. Um, and then they were offered a, a better coaching job somewhere else. And I just said, Hey, you know, go, go take it. You know, this is what we offer you. And that's what this, this is what they're offering you. Go take it. This was right before preseason. This is right. Before, so I, but I knew what I was going to get myself into in terms of my keepers no longer had a, had a goalkeeper's coach. So it was one of those things where my two goalkeepers were in every one of our functional sessions, every one of our possession sessions, because, you know, we didn't have anybody. And then right before we were about to play, we're like, Hey, go warm up for 15 minutes. <laughs> and, yep, yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, we won 12 games. We went 12-5-1, so I might have to keep it that way. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I mean, it's just it's just fascinating. And then on the club level, a lot of times I have to have a parent warm my kid, you know, like my, my goalkeeper up, you know, because I, it's only me on the club side. So have you have you found a good balance between being a team coach and a goalkeeper's coach of, say, you have a club team that you that you have at a tournament and – finding that your your goalkeepers are getting enough from you and your team's getting enough from you do you kind of balance that warm-up do you just kind of teach them one way to warm up and say hey this is your warm-up yeah I think I almost have to wear two different hats in those moments I think in the when I'm at, when I'm a team coach and I'm specific there with the team um when it comes to the warm-up that's more of my focus um than the goalkeeper um but I think what we, we've tried to establish as a club with our goalkeepers, if we don't have a goalkeeping coach there, we have tried to establish a game day warm-up that the goalkeepers can then use uh, when it comes to events or games. So if there isn't a coach there to work with them, they know what their responsibilities are. Um, some of it integrates in with the, teams, the team warm-up, but then they also have to break away and do their own piece. Some teams might only have one goalkeeper. Um, if we have multiple goalkeepers, that, that's a lot easier because they can train together. But if we only have one, that can be the challenging part. What we try to look to do there is then offset it. So if we have multiple teams at the same location or if they're playing at the same time, like in tournament weekends, is we'll try and get a field that's close together and have those goalkeepers work together during the warm-up phase. Um, and then towards the end of the warm-up, then we start to integrate the field players with the goalkeepers to do some crossing, some finishing, things like that. But um, we, we're trying to be really cognizant of giving the goalkeepers time to technically get their repetitions in and get match ready without just having forward smashing shots on goal and conceding goals and now maybe their confidence is shot yeah. before the game has yeah, yeah. begun. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, specifically when I'm a team coach, I try and step away from it. Uh, but then when I'm a goalkeeping coach at these games, then that's, that's my sole focus is spending the time with those individuals. So, yeah. Now, so, Chris... Um, Little, uh, little, um, maybe a little off topic here, but from from what we kind of organize. But um, I hear all the time from goalkeepers or you know the goalkeepers' parents that my kid doesn't need to work on the fundamentals. My kid doesn't need to work on the technical skills. You know they don't need the footwork drills. They need only goalkeeper stuff. Um, you know my response has basically been the, the general response: No, your your goalkeepers still need to be comfortable with the ball at their feet. They have to. You, you know you 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 want your backline to feel confident with their ball at their feet. What other tips and, and advice could you give of coaches and parents like on the importance of that fun, the foundations and the technical training that is needed for those goalkeepers? Yeah, I think I think goes back to your guys' earlier question when we're looking at what are we looking at in youth goalkeepers um, and college goalkeepers. 
obviously the trend at the moment is we look for goalkeepers that are comfortable with their feet. Their distribution has to be good and they have to be good to play out of the back. Um, I don't want to say it's more important than shot stopping, but I think it's on par with it now. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge attribute that we look at. Um, like I said, with the youth goalkeepers, when we're evaluating them, we're looking to try and get them to an end process. Um, maybe that's going to play in college or a different level after they come out of the club. But our end product is hopefully that goalkeepers that can play with their feet and comfortable doing so. Um, and then again, on the college environment, that's probably one of the first things we look for is goalkeepers that are good first touch, can play with speed, can play with accuracy and, and very comfortable with their feet. So I think it's a huge, huge component. Um, and I'm a big advocate of trying to instill the goalkeepers into team sessions and trying to find um, different ways to do that. I think long gone are the days of the only time the goalkeepers involved in the team sessions is when you're shooting. Well, all right, let's stick them in goals and they can be there and that's when we really need them. I think we've got to be a lot more uh, smart about the way we use the goalkeepers. And it can be games where if you're playing in, in grids and you can use the goalkeepers as targets um, so that they're still... Um, using their feet maybe you can put them on touch restrictions touch limits um, to really help them start to build on their game so even though you're running a team session I think you can still incorporate the goalkeepers into those sessions they're still maybe working on the same thing so examples that we that I use a lot is if I'm trying to get my team to change the point of the attack um, I like to build my goalkeepers into most of those sessions not necessarily playing inside their 18 yard box but if we're playing in, in small group activities and small grids you said using them as targets or counter targets um, and then starting to build the session so it looks more like the game and then they're getting those repetitions of playing with their feet so then when we do get to a more game-like situation and we're trying to change the point of the attack then we can utilize the goalkeeper in that no i mean i agree 100 percent. now what when you kind of build when you're running a goalkeeper session what is the philosophy when you build that session just strictly a goalkeeper session is it you know is it Footwork built up to this, built up shot stopping. How's it? How's it kind of constructed? Yeah, um, I think it varies obviously on, on each topic that that we're working on. Probably similar to a team session. Each team session is probably going to start similarly, but we'll we'll start to build differently. Um, so I know a lot of coaches like to do rondos and, and dynamic warm ups to the start of, of their sessions. Um, that's something similar we'll probably do with the goalkeepers. We do a goalkeeping specific dynamic warm up, um, and then we'll look to do. Um, something like a rondo or something lighthearted that just breaks the ice and gets the goalkeepers to chat and feel comfortable um, in the first 10, 15 minutes. And then we start to progress the session. So ideally, I kind of think an hour is a good time for a goalkeeping session, 45 minutes to an hour. I think once you start to go beyond that, you start to lose the engagement. And I think when you're, especially when you're training small groups of four or five, there, there can be a physical but also mental fatigue when you start to go longer than that. Um, so we try and go about an hour. So after the, the dynamic and maybe the little fun activity at the start, we're maybe 15 to 20 minutes in. We have 40, maybe 45 minutes left of our session. We try and break those down into 15-minute increments, um, looking at three different progressions of whatever our topic is that day. So um, if, if it's um, a, a basic uh, set position handling, we might start with very minimal movement. Uh, they might work in small boxes, for example, where you're looking at their movement, their hand shape, trying to read cues of when to get set. Then the next progression might be trying to cover larger areas of the goal, starting to look at their, their angle, and then when to read those cues in the set position. And then the last piece might be something that looks a little bit more realistic to the game. 
Um, so it might be a traveling ball or moving ball, and now they're having to adjust and get set. Um, and again, looking at cues from the players. So we try and build it almost like we do as a team session. We try and start it um, a little bit lighthearted, a little bit of movement, and then start to progress it through. So eventually look something like the game. And then ultimately, if we can, and we're in the right environment, is then look to involve the goalkeepers in, in a team session or a game-like situation so that they can start to put that into play. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> so when you're when you're out looking um, and doing your training sessions and, and trying to um, find out those goalkeepers, have you ever looked at maybe some of the field players that you feel like maybe they, they could come in and, you know, like, you, you know, you're out there coaching, you, you, you know what I'm saying? What are you looking for? What could you see? Like um, sometimes they're just not maybe suited for the field. They, they may be a better goalkeeper. Um, what are you looking for in those players and how can you make that transition? How do you kind of, you know, talk to those players about, you know, that kind of change maybe? Yeah, I think sometimes it comes from a, from a need and sometimes it comes from a want. So sometimes there's a need to fill that position. So we have to look around the team. Um, and, and I don't feel comfortable saying to somebody, you have to do this. I think there has to be um, some sort of comparability in that and jumping into goals or having the confidence to do that. Um, probably the best example I could, I could give is we had a U14 girls team last year that were a very successful group um, and they lost a goalkeeper right before the state tournament. Um, and they couldn't bring another goalkeeper in. We didn't have another goalkeeper in that age group. Um, so we, we looked at the players in the group and tried to look at players that maybe at a younger age had participated as goalkeepers, whether that was just for a little bit of fun, but maybe at least had some experience in that position, felt somewhat comfortable doing it. Um, and, we, and we strictly set that up as volunteering to do that. We didn't want to put one player in that position and say, you have to do this because I don't think they're going to perform in that environment. It needs to be an environment that they feel comfortable in. Um, so we ended up having three or four players that were willing to do it. All good player, good field players, which maybe sometimes helps. Maybe that athleticism and being comfortable with their feet helped with that. Um, and then what we did was we just tried to give them each uh, a half in each game. Um, and yeah, some of them conceded goals and that, and they kind of beat themselves up a little bit about it because they felt like they'd maybe let the team down. But I think the most important thing was the coach saying, no, you're, you're really helping the team out in this moment because we need somebody to step up into that position. Yeah, you're not uh, technically trained as a goalkeeper, but we still need you and there's still attributes in there that can help us um, as a group or as a team. So honestly, I think it's it come, either comes from, from the need of trying to fill the position, but also the want of field players willing to fill it. Um, and sometimes maybe it's just having some of a natural athleticism or a, a good comfortability playing with your feet. And then as the team coach trying to take advantage of what their strengths and weaknesses are, we know if maybe their handling's not very good, we might have to look to get pressure on shots really quick. Um, or if we know they're pretty athletic and they can play with their feet, we might look to play a higher line and we might not have to adapt that way. So maybe having to adapt to that individual too will help. But yeah, I certainly think it has to be something that they're comfortable with. I don't think it's something that we want to force them into making that change. Yeah, that leads into a good question in terms of how is how has film kind of been introduced to the goalkeeping position? How is like, I mean, obviously, I think at the college level, there's probably a little bit more of it. Um, I don't know if if watching it as a goalkeeper's point of view, I don't know if that's specific in terms of being there. But do you encourage your you know youth players to watch film? Do you encourage them to? I know at this time frame, we're probably all doing some sort of encouraging our kids to either watch old games, watch the, you know, watch something like that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think with, with the college goalkeepers, especially, we obviously look at the, 
um, the match analysis from each game. Um, typically, you know, it, it's hard not to focus on when you can see goals. Um, I think that's when goalkeepers obviously highlighted the most. So we do need to address that. If there's been a mistake or an error, how can we solve that so we learn from the mistakes? Um, I don't think I don't like using the word failure um, because I think if if we say to the goalkeepers that was a failure, then they're not going to learn from it. I think it can be a mistake as long as we as long as we learn from it, then it doesn't become that failure. Um, so I think the video analysis stuff really helps that. I think sometimes having a conversation as a goalkeeping coach with the goalkeepers, especially as they're a little bit older, sometimes they can be stubborn and sometimes they can think, yep, that wasn't my fault. I'm, I'm better than that. I didn't make that error. And sometimes then having that video footage that then they can look back on, maybe paints a clearer picture. Um, but for younger ones, I think it's definitely a great tool for um, aspiring goalkeepers to try and watch the pros, to watch the techniques, the ability that these players have. Um, and we're, that's something that obviously we're trying to utilize right now during these times to try and keep the, the players engaged. Um, one, as a, as a tactical tool to look at the technique of the goalkeepers, but also as a tact, uh, technical tool, um, or sorry, tactical tool to start looking at how we make decisions. Um, is it, are we looking to play out of the back? Are we looking to play bigger when we have the ball? What are those things? Why are we making those decisions? Um, so I think it's, it's a huge tool. We don't have it as much in the club game as we do in the college game. So it's difficult for the youth goalkeepers to analyze their performances. I think that's more where the trust has to come with the coaches and the team coaches on their feedback. Um, but I think we can definitely use uh, footage of the professional game to help with their development. Um, something probably that youth soccer players, not as a whole, but a lot, don't watch enough of the game. Um, and I think we need to spend more time watching those players. Um, I didn't have a goalkeeping coach growing up. I, I wasn't fortunate enough to have one. A lot of what I learned was self-talk from going and watching soccer games or watching soccer games on TV and trying to idolize heroes or idolize goalkeepers out there that are top of the profession and trying to put that into play. Yeah. So, Chris, um, one thing I noticed, uh, you know, with a lot of young goalkeepers especially is <clears throat> they struggle sometimes with communication and the organization aspect of being a goalkeeper. Um, what are some ways you incorporate that communication and organization into your sessions and how can the actual team coaches be able to do that to help improve that from their, from their goalkeepers? Yeah. So it's a good point, Ed. I think um, communication is a huge piece of goalkeeping. Obviously the goalkeeper probably has the best view on the field to get to see everything. And it's really important. Sometimes I relate it back to like a game of chess. Uh, the goalkeeper is the queen. We're trying to protect the queen a little bit. So we're trying to organize the team to do that when not in possession of the ball. Um, not every player, not every child is going to feel comfortable being that way, being loud, being vocal. They might not be that way away from the field. They might be a, a more introvert personality. Um, so it's trying to make them feel comfortable enough to be a communicator when it comes to the soccer field. Um, we try and start it just very basically in the goalkeeping sessions by having them call for the ball. So calling their name, calling goalkeeper, and at least starting to get some sort of a foundation of them communicating. Um, as they start to get older, we, we try and get them to talk more. And honestly, if they're just talking rubbish, that's okay. I'm okay if they're just talking anything. Just getting them at those younger ages to talk and communicate doesn't always have to make sense at the start. Um, but I think just trying to build that foundation, again, of getting them comfortable enough to communicate, find their voice, to have some responsibility almost as a leader, 
Um, and then as they start to progress and start to get older, older, we're starting to now have to get a little bit more intentional, a little bit more specific in the information because obviously what we start to find is then team players are starting to just tune out the goalkeeper if they're just talking all the time. If the information isn't relevant, they start to not listen anymore. So yeah. now we're starting to then hone in on what is specific information, um, what type of information are we giving, uh, what players are we giving it to, and some of that has to come with the dialogue from the team coach through the goalkeeping coach as well. So we need to know what style of play that the team is playing in. What are we looking for the back line to do? What is the communication needing to be from the goalkeeper in these moments? Um, so I think it takes it takes all three pieces, the team coach, the goalkeeping coach, and the goalkeeper to try and get the right piece of information. But I think it just starts in those early years with trying to give them confidence and comfortability to find a voice. Um, a willingness just to talk and does again it doesn't matter what we're saying I think in those younger ages and then eventually starting to hone it in where we're starting to get more specific. Yeah, no, I mean you bring up such great points because I think I think we all run into those goalkeepers that and I and I obviously have them whether it's at the college level or the youth level it's like everything's like a little past tense where once we get scored on now it's time now they're communicating in terms <laughs> yeah. of like what what went wrong and I'm like well you know that could have been done in the run of play <laughs> you know like it could have been done a little bit. Have you found, and obviously this also plays into the confidence aspect of it, because I think some of them, you know, some goalkeepers tend to get a little defensive when, like you said, a perceived failure happens when it's not a failure. It's a, it's a mistake. It's, it's, you know, goals happen. It's, you know, it's, it's a part of the game. I think some of them, some goalkeepers tend to get a little defensive as soon as they get scored on. Has there been, has there been a challenge balancing that ability to build confidence in a goalkeeper and obviously push them to get better in terms of, Hey, this is going to happen. This is how you can kind of fix it. Things like that. Have you found kind of, you were a goalkeeper. So obviously you, you know, you know, everybody's um, mentality is a little different, but, uh, but that confidence is always a big thing. It is. Um, and it's something that I struggle with as a goalkeeper, but I can see the goal. It was hard for me to move on from it. Um, I would dwell on it. I feel like I had to overperform to put that right. Um, and in return, that probably affected my performances at times because I was making choices or um, maybe making mistakes I wouldn't have made had I not conceded a goal. Um, so I was maybe putting myself in the areas or positions that I probably shouldn't be in. Um, so one big thing that we try and work on with our goalkeepers is trying to have a, a growth mindset. Um, looking at how they start to um, process conceding goals. Um, I think as a goalkeeper, you do have to be pretty men mentally strong. It can be a tough position. It can be a wearing position. Um, so I think the more support that we can give to goalkeepers as coaches uh, on how to work through that process, I think is really, really, really important. Um, again, we kind of look at the growth mindset of we have to move on from it because if we dwell on it, it's going to affect the performance. But we also then have to look at the time of when to analyze it and then how do we improve it so that we can build on that experience. Um, so the conversations that we've, I've been having a lot with our goalkeepers is in that game environment, try and move on from it. Try and focus on the game in hand because you've still got a big role to play within the remainder of the game. Then the next piece is we have to look at a time to then evaluate. So once the game's done, that's, that's a great time to sit back and then reflect. It could be that evening. It could be that weekend. It could be in a couple of days. Um, each person's going to go through their own process of when to start to reflect on that piece. And then we, start, then we have to start working on how we move past that. How do we improve? How do we build on it? So that can be conversations with the team coach, um, talking about the error that potentially happened at the weekend, saying, okay, this is how I perceived it. 
getting some feedback from them. And then also speaking with the goalkeeping coach. Maybe the goalkeeping coach wasn't at the game, so they don't have the footage. They haven't seen it in person. But trying to get information from that goalkeeper and the goal, uh, the team coach on what that was and how can we put that right. And then we start to try and implement. It can be an individual developmental plan that starts to work on that specific thing. Or maybe it's something that we're... It's difficult when we have a group of five or six to then just work on one goalkeeper at a time, especially in the youth environment. But if we're working on a specific topic in our session, trying to keep in mind maybe the error and mistake that this goalkeeper had and trying to um, bring that to light within the session. So if we see something that's similar to that, can we correct it? Can we start to give some technical feedback on how to correct it within the session? Um, so I think, I think there's the three phases to that process. Um, and I think then you start to build trust with the goalkeepers that they know that the coaches are there not to, to make them feel bad, not to criticize them, but we're really there as a support mechanism to try and help them improve and get to hopefully whatever their end goal is. So Chris, um, you know, part of, I mean, a big part of it, uh, goalkeeping obviously is the reactionary saves. And I know, you know, we see a lot of goalkeeper coaches just focus on that where they just rifle shots in at the players. And you've talked that you kind of, you know, mix your sessions up. It, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we think that we're helping the keepers, but there's so much more to it. Um, great, your reactions are good, but do you guys like instill or uh, install any plyometrics or strength and conditioning programs for your goalkeepers um, you know, that they're doing maybe with you or without you. Um, and can you talk a little bit, if you do, can you talk a little bit about what those programs may look like so our other coaches can kind of put those into use? Yeah, so um, it's something that we definitely also utilize more at the college because we have the strength conditioning coaches there that can make specific plans for the goalkeepers um, that can start to strengthen specific muscles and start to build muscle memory um, that can help with jumping, landing, pushing, those types of areas. Um, it's a little bit more challenging in, in the youth environment um, because we don't always have those tools um, right. available. Um, what we try and build it into is we try and build into the dynamic uh, dynamic warm-up, some strength and conditioning in there, um, resistance bands, things like that, where we can start to build some strength or muscle memory. Um, also repetitions, we're trying to do a certain technique helps with that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that's, that's really, really important. And again, like I said at the start, I think, this time during during lockdown and during the quarantine, I think it's something that we can, especially in the youth environment, maybe in the college environment too, we can almost press the reset button on how we were looking at youth development or player development and start to now think about, okay, that was the way we did it. Why did we do it that way? Was it just because it was a trend or that's what rivals were doing, so we did it? Um, but if we're really looking at the best interests of the players, what what is the best protocol for this? Um, and I think something like building in plyometrics, uh, gym workouts is something that we're going to start to see is probably more uh, relevant to the goalkeepers and, and club players as they start to progress through. Um, something that's probably not there enough right now. They probably get it in their high school seasons more so than their club. Now, sticking sticking with that, kind of the, the coaching aspect of it, and, and we've talked about it, you've transitioned from really kind of working strictly with goalkeepers throughout your younger, you know, the younger part of your coaching career to now working with teams and things like that. As you've, as you've gone through the years, what are some attributes that for goalkeepers, coaches, for those that are younger goalkeepers, coaches right now, those that are getting started, what are some of those keys that you think make a successful goalkeepers coach in terms of, is it, you know, building a session? Is it, you know, being able to, to you know, hit a shot? Is it, you know, what, what are those kind of keys that, that maybe you would encourage those to, that are just getting started to really focus on? 
Yeah, so so I think there's lots lots of different areas there that you can you can look at as goalkeeping coaches and and I can only talk about myself specifically and the path that I went through um, and and hopefully maybe those are there are some beneficial things for people who are listening. But um, I think initially coming out of college and going straight into coaching, um, I don't want to say there was an arrogance, but there was definitely a confidence that I felt like I was a good player, so I'm going to make a good coach. Um, and I think we all know that that doesn't always round up. Um, there's tons and tons of coaches that were terrible players, but are fantastic coaches and vice versa. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me was starting to get an education. Um, a coaching education was really, really important for me. Um, and that looked different ways. That wasn't just a case of doing licenses, which I did do. Um, I wanted to try and get my licenses, um, especially in the goalkeeping areas, um, because I wanted to specialize in that when I first started coaching. Um, because I thought that might separate me from other coaches and maybe open up some different opportunities or other avenues. Um, so I spent time doing that the first couple of years is going away on, on coaching courses as goalkeeping specific coach, picking up some information, some things that I liked, some things that I didn't like, but it certainly helped me know how to structure a session, how to relate to the goalkeepers, um, how to start to give technical points on how to improve things. That was really, really important at the start. Um, and then I think just trying to put yourself out there, sometimes maybe coming out of your comfort zone and working with goalkeepers of different ages, different abilities. Um, I think probably one of the most humbling things for me was working with U9, U10 goalkeepers that have got very basic skills. Um, so you're really having to go back down to the foundations of how do you teach these techniques. And for me, at the start, it was like, well, you just do it, right? Because <laughs> I, I'd done it for so long, you just do it not looking at what the mechanics look like or what the technique looked like to how to get to that stage. Um, and that was a process trying to work through that. But I definitely encourage goalkeeping coaches to start at that uh, youngest age group because you're really having to work from the start all the way up and all the way through. Um, and then I think also, I think sometimes, like I said, goalkeepers can sometimes feel like they're on an island, but goalkeeping coaches can sometimes feel that way too. You sometimes feel you're away from the pack, you're isolated, you're in your own little group. Um, and there's not as many of us out there, I don't think. So I think trying to use the other goalkeeping coaches in your community, um, other goalkeeping coaches that you've met on licenses or conferences to, to talk about it, to talk about the game, to talk about what you feel works, what doesn't work. Um, because it feels like the game's obviously always evolving, but goalkeeping, I would say, is maybe evolving even faster. There seems to be new techniques, new styles all the time. So trying to stay engaged with that, one, by watching about two, also having these conversations with, with the other coaches, I think it's important to build that network um, to help you keep growing as a coach too. Um, but then, yeah, the next piece, like you said, was that was my early years. I felt like that was the path that I was almost stuck in was just being uh, pigeonholed as a goalkeeping coach only. Um, yes, it probably created some opportunities for me that maybe I wouldn't have had if I was just a team coach. Um, some of the college positions and the USL position came available because of the experience I had specifically there. Um, but I did miss the the day-to-day -day of training a team to prepare for a weekend for a game. Um, and when I started to get back into that, I felt that helped me as a goalkeeping coach because I started to see the field a little bit bigger, not just my small bubble as a goalkeeper or a goalkeeping coach, but starting to look at how the team is set up, how the team is looking to play, how do we integrate the goalkeeper into that team environment? Um, and I think that was probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I got from uh, John Pascarella, who used to be the Sporting KC goalkeeping coach in Minnesota Thunder, um, was just be very, very careful of, of not getting pigeonholed as that goalkeeping coach because 
you're going to find yourself in that position for the rest of your life. Um, and then that's probably going to limit your development. So the more you can put yourself in an environment where you can coach teams, whether that's club, high school, whatever, college, whatever environment it is, I think having that get away from the goalkeeping environment to keep you sometimes keep the sanity there because working in the same environment all the time can get, can get stale, but also, also to keep you on top of what's happening in the game as well so that you can progress the goalkeepers a lot as well as the game's moving. So, Chris, you mentioned there that, you know, kind of goalkeeping has developed pretty rapidly here um, in the recent uh, times. Um, what kind of resources could you recommend or that you like to visit? I know you said networking and, and such, but what re other resources might be out there that, um, you know, parent coaches or club coaches can go to and, and learn a little bit more about the position and kind of what those changes are and what's kind of moving forward with the goalkeeping position? Yeah, so I think it, I think it comes down to – uh, the type of learner you are. I think everybody's going to learn a little bit differently. For me, I'm, I'm definitely a visual learner. So watching watching training sessions really helped me. So whether that's watching other goalkeeping coaches put on sessions, there's so much material out there on, on YouTube, for example. There's tons of great sessions that are put on by professional clubs, youth clubs, um, that you can really take advantage of. Uh, and it might not be the whole session. Maybe it's parts of the session that you like as you start to piece together your own session. Maybe it's some of the technical or tactical information that the coaches are giving that you think is relevant, or maybe it's something new that you're starting to try and implement to stay with the times of, as a changing uh, process is going on. Um, but those are probably the, the biggest areas for me, watching the game. Um, I think watching, watching training sessions or highlight training sessions on, on YouTube or on online channels. But then that last piece like we talked about before was the networking piece of having a good network around you of coaches or goalkeeping coaches that, you can bounce ideas off of um, and hopefully helps you grow as, as you move forward. Now, Chris, as we finish up here, is there a, um, is there a goalkeeper out there that you encourage your youth players to watch or your college players to watch? Is there somebody that, you know, that you've, you've seen over the years that has really kind of put it all together that, that you see the, the ability to play with their feet, shot stopping, control in their box, things like that, that, that you've encouraged your, uh, your players to watch? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, obviously the Premier League now is, is hugely available in the U.S. You can watch literally every single game when, when soccer starts back up and hopefully we'll get that back again. Um, but having that access is huge. So I think youth players now or college players can watch these games on a regular basis and analyze these players. Um, and I think when you look at the teams that are having the most success, I don't think it's a coincidence that you look at Allison or Emerson at um, – Manchester City or Liverpool, they're starting to be probably the most successful ones or the most highlighted ones. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of the big attributes is their ability to play with their feet. Um, I think that's something that is obviously growing in the game. There's a more of a, a focus on that now. So I think it's a great attribute for our players to watch. Obviously, both of those goalkeepers are in teams that control possession a lot of the ball. So they're, they're going to have more probably touches with their feet. Um, than shot stopping potentially. So that's yeah. something that we definitely want to look at. But you also look at Liverpool three or four years ago where they were, they were still an attacking team scoring lots of goals, but they were also conceding tons of goals. Um, obviously, everybody talked about the addition of Van Dijk is huge for Liverpool, but I think Allison is maybe even more so um, yeah. because of the amount of, you just look at the stats of the season, the amount of clean sheets he's kept. I don't think that's, that's a coincidence in why Liverpool are being so successful right now. So... Yeah. Um, I, I certainly think those two goalkeepers right now are the ones that, that stand out to me and 
there are also two that are really easy to access and get lots of footage of that goalkeepers can analyze and, and look up to. So, Agreed. Perfect. Well, Chris, um, as we finish up here then, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we always like to give an opportunity for you to talk about maybe how our listeners can follow you or keep up to date with uh, your program. So if it's Sporting Iowa, if it's Grandview, or you personally, if you have any social media or anything like that you want to share with our listeners. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, we're obviously right now we're sharing tons and tons of content through our Sporting Iowa social media accounts. So we have Sporting Iowa on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and right now we're, we're sharing all the uh, material that we're sharing with our players. So especially right now, while everything's happening and, and players aren't able to get on the field and get a regular practice session, uh, something there that people can take advantage of. Um, we're, we're looking at the mentality piece, the game analysis piece, the technical components as well. Um, so there's lots of different areas there that people can enjoy and, and hopefully help them during this time until we get back on, on the soccer fields. Very cool. Very cool. No, we appreciate it, Chris. Obviously, this is something that's a topic that all coaches are always kind of looking to get better at. We're all trying to in, figure out a better way to incorporate our coaches. I mean, our goalkeepers and, and obviously coach them and, and obviously coach them within the game as well, because we just don't, you know, we, we, we're still kind of learning how to, how to kind of better develop them through, through playing, whether it's possession, like you said, with targets and bumpers and uh, neutral players, and then obviously get in the training they, they need. So uh, really appreciate the insight. And uh, obviously I hope, uh, I hope a lot of people took, uh, took a lot out of it. And I know I took my notes, so I know Ed always makes fun of me. I, tell you. <laughs> I got, I got notes. <laughs> I saw you, I saw you jotting them down. So no, we wish you all the best, Chris. And, and obviously, like I said, I can't thank you enough for spending the, spending the afternoon with us and then, you know, uh, given us the insight that, that you've had through all those different levels. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Our weekly show is brought to you by Athletics View. Whether it's soccer, football, basketball, and many other sports, you have a memory to share. Let us help you share that game or match through film via our video production. For more information, visit athleticsview.com, spelled V-U-E, or follow them on Instagram or subscribe to their YouTube channel. All right, Eric, man, great great to be back here. Uh, I love talking goalkeeping. Uh, it's good to talk <laughs> to Chris. Um, you know, I think it's one of those, as Chris said, it's they're on an island, and uh, I think goalkeepers are kind of, they're not forgotten about, you know, because they're needed. But we don't we don't put the focus on them as much as we need to. So it's good to talk to Chris. He had some valuable insight there. I think that uh, us as all at coaches at all levels can kind of start to input into our training sessions and and our communication with our goalkeepers. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it was it was really nice to hear it from from a goalkeeper that played at the youth level, played at college level, um, transitioned into goalkeeping coaching, and then obviously is now you know do a lot of team coaching in the club level. You know because we we talk about our goalkeepers having to be really good communicators in terms of on the field, in the run of play. I think us as coaches have to be good communicators with our goalkeepers as well. And I can tell you, you know, you know, throughout the years, I could tell you a number of times that I've failed our goalkeepers in terms of communicating the, with them the right way and, and making them feel like they can, you know, the, to try to build that confidence, whether it's in training or whether it's in games, I think that communications uh, is so valuable. And, and obviously hearing from Chris, and hearing from his experience since he's been at the club level, been at the college level, been, you know, been at all those levels, it's been nice to, to kind of maybe sometimes you get the reassurance that, okay, maybe I am doing this the right way because, you know, even just talking about how do you incorporate your, your goalkeepers into a session. 
and hearing him say, hey, use them as targets. Use them, as, you know, use them as the as the point player where you're you're switching the point of attack. And I think those are things that, you know, as we've as we've kind of continued to grow within the game and we don't have goalkeepers coaches all the time, us coaches have used those goalkeepers as neutral players, players that play the bumpers that can switch the other, the other side. And to hear Chris say, hey, this is that's an okay way, you know, that's a decent way of using your goalkeepers to have them see the field. And you mentioned it in the intro was um, now with the new rules of the goal kicks and things like that, the ability to play out of the back, it's so important. So to hear Chris really uh, reiterate that importance that, hey, just because your goalkeeper is not at goalkeeper training doesn't mean they can't get better. Uh, they don't always have to be just getting shots on <laughs> in terms right. of that. That used to be the old, uh, the old thing is like, Hey, I don't need you until we do a shooting drill. Yeah. You know, like go, you know, go do, do uh, goalkeeping things until we actually need to go to goal. Right. And that's something that we've, we've grown into. And, and uh, you know, I think his, his knowledge is, is great. And his experience is, was fantastic to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I, I like his, point on having a growth mindset and I think us as coaches we have to remember that as well right he was talking a little bit about um it's not a failure it's a mistake and how many times has the coach have you got upset with the goalkeeper in a game you know when they make that mistake and and that goalkeeping position such a mental position as well that me on the sideline yelling at you for making a mistake that you knew you made yeah only compounds the issue you know so we as coaches have to understand that it's a growth mindset mistakes are going to happen and we have to keep our calm but then we have to be able to discuss that with them and like they said they come back and they analyze they reflect and then they try and figure out how to go forward from there and 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 I think those are some good points that we have that we need to train and teach our goalkeepers is that you know mistakes will happen how do we bounce back and then how can we make the corrections in the future to really be successful And, and then that's really that growth mindset is is making sure that it doesn't happen again and that we can correct the issue yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a great point because just as much as Chris maybe reinforced my thought of, hey, this is how you could use goalkeepers in a training session, he also obviously opened your, opened my mind that, you know, and again, the communication between you, yourself, and the goalkeeper as a head coach or an assistant coach, that growth mindset like you just talked about, I can tell you probably a number of times that I probably hindered a goalkeeper's growth because of the reaction or pulling a right. goalkeeper because of a mistake or perceived failure, and it's like that doesn't necessarily help um, you know, now, unfortunately, the balance in the college level is trying to win games um, and, and having those those moments where, hey, you know, can you communicate with your goalkeeper in a positive manner? I think that that's something that obviously Chris highlighted that that I've got to get better at as a coach. And I know probably a number of coaches uh, agree with it as well, because I think they are on an island and, and it's so you know, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, when they when they are highlighted, it's typically when a, when something is wrong <laughs> when something goes wrong, you know, yeah. um, in terms of a goal goes in the back of the net. So I think that growth mindset, like you mentioned, goes to the coaching side as well. Like, Hey, in the game environment, like Chris said, it's move on, you know, yeah. you, you know, you don't, because he said it as a player, he used to try to overcompensate for the mistake he would make. And then, you know, he just compound the mistake and maybe, you know, do things that he wouldn't typically do as a, as a goalkeeper, you know? And then, like you said, that post game now reflect now, look okay. Don't don't focus on that stuff while the game's going on. So that game environment is, is completely different than that post game environment. So it's been um, you know it's really it's really good. And we we tell goalkeepers all the time because you know even at the college level you could tell there's college teams when their center backs or their back line is facing their own goalkeeper when they're not comfortable playing it back to them. Yeah, they'll just kick it out of bounds and give up a throw in. 
And then at the college level, it's like, hey, if you get their back line to turn around, you know, in terms of face their own goalkeeper and put them, put them under pressure, they're going to kick the ball out and it's going to be our possession, you know, and then having that ability to have a goalkeeper that is comfortable with the ball getting passed back to them and not having that moment of, moment of panic and things like that. So I don't, I don't think goalkeepers, sometimes goalkeepers don't see those little, those little adjustments in games, whereas coaches, it's like, hey, you know, you can tell when somebody's uncomfortable back there right. and, and really being able to jump on that as well. Yeah, and I think that's uh, the big thing. I think you maybe uh, took advantage of that against us at USCB a few times when we went to play back. You realized sometimes that goalkeeper wasn't comfortable. Um, but I think that's one of those things, you know, us as coaches, um, you know, we have to look at and, and um, you know, be aware of. But I, I want to say, like, the one thing that I like to Chris talked about and, and um, I kind of felt this way when I first got to Utah was, oh, you're a goalkeeper coach, yep. um, you know, and, and that's kind of what you are. Uh, you know, and, and that's not the case, um, you know, or it can be the case depending on what you, what you do. Like Chris said, he started trying to get involved and started coaching other teams. Um, you know, it was at the club level or high school level or whatever he said, he, you know, um, he put himself in some unfamiliar situations, which opened his eyes a bit more and was his relief. I think that's a big thing young goalkeeper coaches might want to start thinking about is, is start getting yourself out of that, that normal zone and seeing if you can start picking up a team to start training, um, you know, and, and leading and, and hopefully then your growth then is also um, taken care of and you're not just pigeonholed as that goalkeeper coach and, and that you can put, bring more to the table for the club or organization that you're working with. Now, obviously that goalkeeper's position sometimes is a benefit, you know, you've probably seen it throughout your career and obviously I've seen it um, in career paths where a lot of, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at division one assistants and it's like, oh, you know, somebody's really interested in that position. Oh, they're only looking for a goalkeeper's coach. And then obviously that's something that, that kind of knocks somebody out of, out of the position and then brings somebody else to the position. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's finding that, that comfort zone where it's like, Hey, I can train the goalkeepers, but I can also work with midfielders. I can also work with back line. I can also do those, those sorts of things, whether it's film breakdown, things like that. So um, it's become such a, uh, such a specialized position that I think sometimes a lot of coaches, you know, I'm glad to see that Chris was able to kind of grow his way into, um, into team coaching and obviously, you know, not just get stuck doing, you know, goalkeepers all the time, but obviously just like yourself, really still being able to develop goalkeepers, you know, yeah. because we, we talked about it at the beginning of, of talking with Chris was the, it's the, one of the most important positions on the field yet it's one of the most neglected positions on the right. field. Well, whether it's the college level, youth level, whatever, you know, we don't spend enough time maybe really developing those players as much as we do as midfielders or backline or, or, you know, forwards tactically. So I think, um, you know, the value of having a goalkeeper's coach and the value of being able to really, you know, develop them is, is something very important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a big position that we have to fill. And I think that, you know, um, hopefully through this conversation today, more coaches can have a little more comfort and understanding and, and that and, and not neglecting it. And maybe, maybe some of the coaches can go back to their DOCs and say, Hey, we've got to incorporate our GK coaches a little bit better, um, you know, and, and, and find some other changes. As Chris said, that at this point in time, they're reevaluating some of the things they've done in the past to see if it's the best way to go about it. I think that's the big thing here. Um, for all of us is to kind of reflect and see how we can improve as, as coaches and, and uh, you know, helping train those goalkeepers is one big area, I think, for all of us that we can improve. Yep. So, um, Eric, I'm really excited here as we go forward. Got some great guests lined up um, oh, yeah. over the next few weeks. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's going to be pretty exciting. We're going to have a lot of different talks, topics going on. Um, I know you lined up Matt, right, from, from Soccer Pulse? Yep, Matt Danner, the, the creator of Soccer Pulse, the app, uh, periodization app that, that, um, that my college team uses, and I know a number of college teams use down here, and uh, it's a fantastic app that's helped us quite a bit uh, to, uh, to kind of gauge our players' um, health, whether it's sleep, whether it's fatigue, whether it's muscle soreness, all that stuff. He does a great Good job player. of uh, – you know, doing that. And then uh, it even kind of tells you a little bit about what your session should be. And uh, the, the, you know, you know, the, not the strength of your session, but more of like kind of the intensity of your session. Right. So, so it's really a, a great app. And I, I attribute, we've used it for two years now. And I, I attribute a lot of the success that we've had uh, to that app. Good. Yeah. And then uh, um, got Poppy Miller going to come on. Poppy Miller is a former player of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, she's now a, uh, play-by-play -play broadcaster uh, for ESPN, Fox Sports, and she works for the Charleston Battery. She can talk a little bit about her experience, how soccer has led her to where she is. So I'm um, pretty excited for the next couple of guests that we have lined up. And, and uh, you know, we look forward to it. Um, hopefully our listeners keep reaching out to us on other special topics they want us to discuss. And, and um, we can keep carrying this on a little bit forward uh, with ball side, goal side here, Eric. I'm, I'm really excited about the future, though. Thank you.